Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast, hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welkie Customs Brokers USA. Damon is a licensed US customs broker and certified customs specialist with more than 18 years experience in the import, export, customs transportation and logistics sectors. Each month, Trade Secrets will bring you guests in the industry to provide their insights on timely trade issues to give you an advantage in international trade. So now, let's talk trade. Welcome to the podcast. Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welky Custom Brokers USA here, Trade Secrets. We have two guests today uh, from Roanoke Trade Services, uh, one of our partners uh, for the services that we offer. We have Maya Mackey and we have Grant Goldsmith. So really quick, uh, they do a lot of uh, uh insurance type services for us and today we're really we have grant and maya and we're going to focus on cargo insurance but um maya why don't you do a, a quick intro uh yourself and uh, roanoke trade services thank you damon and thank you for having us this is fun so roanoke trade has been around since 1935 we are an international insurance broker and we specialize in bonds and insurance products for logistics service providers so custom house brokers freight forwarders warehousing, stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of a, a niche business. So it's fun. It's not it's not auto insurance, you know, or homeowners insurance. So it's a little more fun when people ask me what I do to start talking about what I do, because it's not it's not your basic kind of insurance that most people think of when they hear insurance. Um, so Roanoke was purchased by Munich, a Munich Re subsidiary back in 2008, I believe. And so our ultimate parent is now Munich Re in Germany, and they are the third largest reinsurance company in the world. So it has opened up a whole world of insurance for us. We just opened up our office in Canada now. Oh, wow. And we have um, partner Munich companies all over the world. So it's a very exciting time for us. There's a lot of growth and different opportunities opening up, both personally and for business products for us to place. So it's it's great. And I have been with Roanoke since 1998. This is my 23rd year. Most of that has been in bonds, but about two years ago, I changed over into the sales side of things. So that's a whole new world of things for me. And it's been a lot of fun. 23 years. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. So, so you only have two more years to retire. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm only, you know, 35. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So Grant, now you're on the cargo insurance end, right? So you specialize in cargo insurance. So so give me yeah, a little no, background of, of what you do at, at Roanoke. Thanks and thanks for having us to the show. Um, I do work a lot in, in cargo at Roanoke, uh, especially Project Cargo. Uh, I was in Houston for about nine years, just uh, relocated to to Charleston. But uh, in Houston, a lot of the cargo is project cargo. So very large things, oil and gas, uh, in addition to your normal uh, containerized cargo. Uh, we also see a lot of bulk cargo on the Gulf Coast that uh, you know maybe is not seen in other ports. And the cargo market, as I'm sure the people listening to this podcast know, has really changed over the last two years. Uh, the rates have become, uh, you know, edging up on the on the higher end. Uh, the capacity of ships is is as expensive as it's ever been right now, uh, and it's constraining, you know, the supply chain. I was in Target the other day, and they were saying, "Hey, if you see, you know, 
so much of this like facial product, you better buy three of them because we're not sure when we're, you know, going to get, you know, resupply on this because of wherever it's coming from. So we're all yeah. seeing sort of constraints in the global supply chain, whether it's plywood, you know, no matter what it is. And of course, all of that, you know, constraint and supply and capacity, you know, affects how we insure cargo. Sure, sure. So, so cargo insurance, I, I think if we if we really break this down to a, a, a simple level and then kind of get more into it, because some of our listeners may not know that they need cargo insurance and the and the importance of having cargo insurance. Um, and really what I wanted to do with this podcast is highlight that we offer cargo insurance. So our customers have somewhere to go that we partner with you to be able to offer our customers that service. Um, and that if they are insured, they're well insured because of the, the obviously Maya was talking about how large the company is and all the partners, international partners and offices that they have. So um, we're able to offer that on anything that we process the entry on. But uh, so so Grant, the the cargo insurance aspect of it, people may think, oh, hey, I put my cargo on the steamship. It's coming from China, coming to the United States. It's covered if anything happens. So what's the what's the pitfall behind that? I, I guess. I I think the pitfall behind it is the the way most cargo moves, you know, globally is on really a limitation of liability. So whoever arranges for the movement of your cargo, whatever you know, vessel carries the cargo, truck carries the cargo. The only way they can effectively receive all these transactions electronically, you know, hundreds of thousands a day, whatever the number is, and and make the system work is if they're operating off standard trading terms and conditions. Most people standard trading terms and conditions either says we're not liable for your cargo at all. Or we're only liable for you know whatever the international uh, standard is, which is really pennies on the dollar. And so, although the cargo moves, whether it's FedEx, whether it's UPS, whether whoever it is, it's all on a, a fraction of the value of the cargo. And and to get any recourse uh, at a time of the loss, you you basically have to be able to assert in most cases that the carrier was was liable for the loss. And so if they're not liable, if it's just an act of God, if bad things just happen, which they do, of course, every day, there's typically no coverage for this unless cargo insurance was purchased for the voyage. Right. So now uh, uh, what I can relate it to is years ago, I used to sell uh, less than truckload service. And I think they were only liable for like 25 cents a pound. Uh, so this was domestic cargo I was selling. And if we ever had a claim, they would pay out like 25 cents a pound, which really honestly doesn't cover much. I mean, if you had right. 10 pounds of of uh, iPads, it's, it's a lot more expensive right. than 25 cents a pound, you know. Um, I, what are those limits of liability on international? Is there, it, do you know offhand what, uh, you know, like if, what it's good, what they're going to get back per container if they don't take cargo insurance and they're just leaving it up to the steamship line? What, what kind of coverage are they looking at? If it, if it happens to be the, the carrier's fault. There, there's different limitations of liability. Um, certainly the international conventions govern a lot of it, whether it's steamship, whether it's air, there's different limitations within the United States on, on truckload cargo. Uh, but what we see 
mostly these days is just, you know, your what you end up being liable for in your contract with the customer. And so the majority of the claims that we see are based on some master service agreement, contractual liability between a shipper, you know, and an intermediary or a shipper and a carrier. And those liabilities can range, again, from anything as low as, you know, so many SDRs per kilo to the full value of the cargo. And there's a lot of in-between with respect to contracts we now see where carriers are saying, we want you to cover up to 2 million, up to 50,000, up to 500,000. So again, not based on the actual value of the cargo, but based on a limit that the shipper, you know, wants the carrier to basically be responsible for. And what those limits often are is the deductible retention that the shipper may have. So the shipper may have a cargo policy, but they may have a $25,000 deductible, a $50,000 deductible. And so they come to the carrier and they say, hey, we want you to be fully responsible for the deductible and not actually the full value of the cargo. So as we try to help clients understand what their risk is, the question I primarily ask is, you know, what does your customer expect to get at the time of the loss? And so it's important to have that conversation to say, hey, if the cargo's lost, what is your expectation? Is your expectation that we pay for those losses? And if so, to what extent? And once we determine that, we say, okay, we're going to back into that with an insurance product in order to cover this financial responsibility, which is all that it is. And typically, the product that we use most to cover that financial responsibility is a cargo insurance policy. Is that what you see, Maya? Yeah, I've actually seen a lot where they are just basically insuring their deductible. And you see that a lot with the larger companies. Okay. The smaller smaller importers um, and exporters, they might, they might want a full cargo policy that insures you know, the full value of their shipment because maybe they only have a $500 deductible or something like that. Okay. So when we get into the cargo insurance, there's, there's, I know there's an all risk type policy, which is, is what we see. And we tend to, we tend to sell for our clients is all risk, but that doesn't mean all risks, right? And we can, can you explain that a little bit further for our, for our clients? Sure. The industry's tried to stop using the words all risk for years now uh, because no insurance product covers you know everything that could possibly happen there are there are exclusions uh, on every insurance policy war is a common exclusion a nuclear type event is a common exclusion uh, but beyond exclusions there's also limitations like a trade lane um, may not be covered. Uh, certain destinations, obviously, OFAC restricted countries for us are, are restrictions. So there's exclusions, which are a hard no. And then there's often restrictions, which is maybe yes, maybe no. And this information can be difficult to, to manage for mm-hmm. the, the end user, which is why we you know have an electronic system that allows uh, people we work with to put the voyage information in data into our system. And then the system kind of comes back and says, okay, you can cover this shipment and you know this is fully covered or you can't cover this shipment because there's a restriction here that you know possibly you weren't aware of. Insurance policies are, are numerous pages. Sure. And we renew the coverage annually. 
And as the market has hardened over the last two years, things that we covered two years ago and that we offered a competitive rate on two years ago, again, we've seen these policies, the four corners, these policies get tighter and tighter as the market is hardened. Yeah, yeah. So um, so one of the examples I've always heard about is, is like they, somebody puts a container on there, they don't buy cargo insurance, they don't have cargo insurance, they feel that the carrier the steamship line is going to cover that cargo. If that, like they have to, like something happens and that falls off the ship, what, generally speaking, could they look to get back from the steamship line if they don't purchase cargo insurance at all? Uh, it can, again, range on what the master service agreement says to, you know, what what uh, international convention is going to uh, be in play at the time of the loss. But it's not unrealistic to say that uh, there's no financial transfer, no financial transfer that, that's worthwhile. I mean, you might get yeah. a small amount. Again, like pennies on the dollar for the value of the cargo. I mean, we typically look at liability in terms of weight, in terms of package. I mean, again, if if it didn't work that way, if there wasn't a heavy limitation of liability automatically in place, then goods would not be able to move because every time we changed hands with the goods, we'd be saying, okay, you know, how are you covering the value of these goods? How are you covering the value of these goods? We, we rarely discuss the value of the goods. We discuss weight. We discuss cube size. We discuss lots of things. We rarely discuss the value of the goods. And this is how the supply chain works. So if you really need coverage for the value of what you're shipping, uh, you really have to be looking into a cargo insurance product because everything else is really just going to follow this sort of low-end limitation of liability. So they're really not going to get made whole if anything happens to their cargo uh, without cargo insurance. No, I would say you're 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 not going to be made whole. And so again, back to the conversations we try to have with with people that we're helping. My my question is always is what does your client expect at the yeah. time of the loss? Do they expect mm -hmm. to get the invoice value? Do they expect or are they okay with pennies on the dollar? What is their expectation? Because where we see conflict is where we have a problem with expectation. Yeah. And and really the cost of cargo insurance is very reasonable, I would I would I would think. You know, well, I know, but it's it's very reasonable. It's it's very inexpensive. We can get quotes based on what the product is, like you said, Grant, where it's coming from, where it's going to. Obviously, there's some restrictions. We can't even process entries from denied parties. So <laughs> we have those same restrictions on our end, too. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, general average. Can you, you know, that term's thrown on, thrown out there a lot with cargo insurance. Can you, can you explain that for our listeners, what general average is and how that works uh, and how it affects them? Yeah, it's it's when you hear general average, you, you tend to pay attention to the words and to try to get some meaning from the words. But general average is a concept that's been around since like the time of the Phoenicians. And, and what general average basically means is that for whoever puts cargo on a vessel, you become, I guess, responsible in part for the voyage. And so if the, sh the vessel is incurring rough weather, 
and we must discharge a certain amount of cargo over the side in order to keep the ship from sinking. The cargo that's on deck that's easiest to discharge may be your cargo. And so maybe your cargo is the only cargo thrown over the side. Everyone else's cargo is, is saved and the voyage you know, lands at the other end. Well, rather than just you, the, the lost cargo owner, taking the entire hit, the idea of general average is that we all share in this loss. And so everyone that had cargo on the vessel, to include the vessel owner, is now going to share in this loss uh, jointly. And so what people don't understand about general average is you don't have to have a cargo loss in order to be in a general average claim. Because if your cargo was on the vessel and something happened to the vessel or something happened to cargo on the vessel, you're going to be required under the concept of general average to share in that loss whether or not your goods were actually lost. So you can have a shipment come from China to the United States, nothing happened to it, but you have an insurance, you have a loss that you have to pay for because someone so something else- would have to happen. Yeah, something would have to happen to the vessel or to right. some cargo on them. So there would have to be some loss, some damage in order for the vessel owner to, you know, successfully declare a general average event. But once a general average event has been declared and is substantiated, everybody who was participating in that voyage is essentially in that claim. And where you want insurance at this point is to basically satisfy your requirement under general average and to stand in your shoes and say, yes, we will be financially responsible for our cargo, which allows your cargo to then be released for onward movement. Because until you put your financial responsibility down after general average is declared, your cargo will stay where it is and will not move forward until your financial responsibility has been established. General average claims can take years to unravel, fully enumerate, and satisfy. These claims can go on for, for several years. You don't want yeah. your cargo arrested in support for several right. years several while years. you're waiting for the adjudication of the claim. You want someone to come in and basically say, we're here for company X, here's our insurance, we're gonna respond to general average. So their undamaged cargo can continue its voyage, which again is important to the supply chain because no one yeah. wants cargo three months late. It may be worthless by then. Especially now with the with the amount of delays that are in the international supply chain, uh, to have a, a general average claim, it seems like it, it it's it, it's definitely worth the cost to get a to get an insurance a cargo insurance policy. Now, uh, all risk type insurance does that cover general average for the client? Yeah, I think Maya, you've got experience with that. Yeah, it sure does. And even the the lesser insurance, the FPA, which is named perils only, that'll cover general average too. So if you have customers that absolutely, for some reason, don't want to buy an all-risk policy, at least get them to get the FPA coverage, and that'll protect them from the general average issues. Okay. So, and that sounds like a hidden risk in international trade. Like, if you don't know what's going on and general average occurs, you could yeah. be left standing there and and grant obviously you said a couple months to to a year or more to to solve this and then your cargo stuck right i mean right yeah yeah your cargo is definitely stuck because the the you know the vessel owner you know in declaring general average will hold your cargo 
until you know you've established that someone's standing in for your financial responsibility. And again, it may take you know years for the final financial responsibility to be established and adjudicated. Wow. And and do like, like an example of of the amount that you have to pay on general general average. Obviously, it's going to be on a scale depending on what happens. But do you have any any claims that you could uh, you know? conceal the names of the the involved but let us know what what happened like a like a like a, an example of what of one of these one of these uh, issues with general average i mean there's been a lot of high profile um vessel you know cargo damage claims lately in the news i mean people have seen the pictures so have we uh we've had cargo on those vessels where you know we're essentially waiting for that ship to get to port so we can figure out, you know, how many containers are still on board, how many containers went overboard, do we have containers in the overboard, you know, category, do we have containers in the toppled over but still on the deck but nonetheless damaged category, or do we have containers that are not damaged at all, but because we must now participate in the general average event declared, you know, we have to put our financial responsibility forward. Uh, I've seen a claim where my client had no damaged cargo whatsoever, but, you know, due to their participation in the voyage, ended up still paying 20% of the general average claim because that was the proportional amount of cargo they had on the vessel. So wow, it's wow. hard to understand how that works, but that's that's how it works. Wow. So they, even though they had no damage, their cargo made it safe into port, they had to pay 20% of the general average claim. 20% of the claim was deemed to be their portion of the claim. Even though they had no damaged cargo, their cargo was able to get out of arrest once it got to port quickly uh, and, and move on and was received. And then there were you know no issues with delay, no issues with loss of market. So their delivery was essentially maybe a day late or something, but but not bad. But you know, years later, as we finalized this claim, they ended up with a bill for twenty percent of the claim. Wow! If you think wow. about that, like general average isn't declared because one container fell overboard in a storm. It's a significant event that happens to the ship, and oftentimes it involves damage to the ship also, which must be repaired, and that is right. also included in the general average. So it's a significant right. amount. So damage to the ship, lost cargo, all gets involved in the general average claim. You're responsible if your freight makes it to the to the port undamaged. So very hidden, hidden risk in international trade. Yep. True. And right. and again, people don't see it until they see it. And then when they see it and they see that the full financial impact of it, it's 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 eye-opening. You're saying, wow, I had no idea it could be you know, this large. Um, and so again, like, you know, it might take you years to see a general average claim. You may go your whole career and not see one, but when you see it and you see the size of it, because of the value of these larger vessels now, because of the value of the cargo on these larger vessels, the claims just get larger as the shipping gets larger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and of course we are getting larger and larger container ships. I mean, we used to have eight to eight to ten thousand TEUs, twenty foot equivalents on a ship. Now we're sixteen, eighteen thousand TEUs on a ship. So these claims obviously are just getting larger and larger uh, with the number right. of number of containers on a ship. So, all right, I think we're we're almost out of time here. So I just wanted to circle back around and say, hey, can you 
Maya, give us like one or two tips that our listeners can walk away with for insurance or what your company does. And uh, then we'll have Grant uh, do the same thing for us. I think I'll do a tip on what my company does. Because I think oftentimes people think of us as, you know, just bonds or just cargo insurance. But we have a wider range of products for logistics providers. Like we offer Arizona missions insurance, workers comp, um, general liability. Somebody slips out in your lobby and hurts themselves and sues you. Um, business auto, you know, everything like that. Like we're not just a, a bond and cargo insurance provider. We're more full service for people in your industry. Um, and we've been doing it for a long time. And that's that's all we do. So, you know, sure, you can go to State Farm and get some stuff. But I think I wish people thought of us as more than just the bonds and the cargo insurance. Okay, great. Grant, uh, tip or two on, on cargo insurance? I think on the topic of cargo, um, what I would say to people is if if you can put a cargo program in place, as you guys have, it's it's really valuable for them. You know, nine out of 10 may not take it. But it's really valuable, you know, to protect their financial interest, to protect their, you know, loss of trade. And so it's smart to have an open cargo program and it's smart to have a system by which you can try to offer this value add to your clients. Great, great, great. Well, Grant, Maya, thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. Uh, again, if you have any questions, you're a listener, please send me an email, Damon, D-A-M-O-N, at WelkeUSA.com. And uh, that's it for today's show. Uh, thank you again, Maya. Thank you again, Grant. And have a wonderful day, everyone. This has been Trade Secrets, the podcast hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welkie Customs Brokers USA. Thank you for listening.